of God grow. Bring one to the one. Amen. What's up, Rock Church? Say Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Say hello to someone next to you. Just say hello. Say how are you? I want to greet our campuses in East County. Everybody here say East County. Matter of fact, in all the campuses, say East County. Say North County. Say San Isidro. Say City Heights. Say what's up all y'all online. And one more. Can we say hello military, we love you. Hello military, we love you. God bless y'all. Let's get on our knees and pray. Let's get on our knees and pray and get this service started. I'm going to Haiti tomorrow for the week and um, to visit our children. The orphanage there and the, to also preach at a crusade that they're doing right there in Germany. I'll be preaching two nights. I think it goes all week. And uh, in Haiti, I, I heard 80% are Catholic and I believe it's 20% Protestant and, 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 and the saying goes 100% voodoo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of people who practice voodoo. So you could pray for uh, me and the team that's going down there and the team that's always there. Uh, that God would bless us and um, people will be delivered. Amen. Yeah. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your uh, love for us. And I pray you challenge and encourage us. I pray for all the services and uh, all the campuses today that uh, we would be disciples. That we would look out to not only be in a, be in a discipleship relationship where we receive but where we give. We bring one with us on the journey that we're on. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone give a high five to someone next to you. Amen. Okay, what we're going to do today, before we start anything, I want you to get your lesson plan out. And we're going to review our growth track, our funnel that we have right there on your front page. And it should go right up on the screen. And we'll, I want to review, make sure we all are down with our mission here. If you're at the mall or Starbucks or, or wherever you go and someone says, hey, the rock is a cult. And that's all you guys do is listen to that guy up there yell. You would say, no, we do three things. Our mission statement, three words. Everyone say save, save. say equip, save. send, send. So if you're at Nordstrom's buying some shoes for $9,000 and someone says, hey, what do you guys do at The Rock? And, and, and uh, if you're buying $9,000 shoes, thanks for being here. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I went shopping with my wife the other day and I said, okay, I want to buy you something. I don't, I don't, I'm not a shopper. We spent five hours. I, I, I am saved for that. I will go to heaven just for that. And she found not one thing she wanted. And, I, she, and I'm walking out of the store, I said, you can't find anything? She said, well, I like those shoes. I said, why didn't you get them? Oh, they were $700. Good wife, good wife, good wife. Thank you. Whew. Praise the Lord. Um, but if you're at Nordstrom's and, you, and someone says, hey, what do you guys do at The Rock? You would say three things. You, we would do what? Very good. Let's look on the screen. Let's write it down. If you have it in your, right there in your notes, let's write it down. Write it down. Save is first. And then after you get saved, you are equipped, which is a lifelong process. Very important. It's a lifelong process. I'm still being equipped. And then 
simultaneously you are sent, you are going to do ministry, which we are going to do here in a minute. Okay, everyone say save, equip, send. Save. Very good. How do we save? It's one long word. So. Everyone say so. so. Good. Say good. Good. How do you spell so good? So good. Good. So these are all the ways people get saved. The first S is for Sunday. People get saved on Sunday. We will give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ today. Today. If you came here and you don't know Jesus Christ, we're going to give you the opportunity today. Today is the day of salvation. Okay. The first O is one way other people get saved, which is what? Everyone say one-on-ones. You sharing your faith with somebody else. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in about two minutes. Yes. The other one is outreach. We have an outreach, our outreach ministry fair next week. You want to go to that fair, find out what ministry you might be interested in. Go to the life class to find out how God designed you and then match the two. Okay, outreach. Uh, last year, 6,100 people got saved through our outreach ministries on the community. 6,100 people. Amen? Amen. And the last one is online. Say online. Last year we had over 175,000 people saved online through short gospel videos. 175,000. And in the last two weeks, just from y'all texting out what we're getting ready to text out, we've had 2,400 people saved of your friends and family. Now, how many of y'all, amen, let's give the Lord a hand on that, amen. How many of you know somebody personally that is not saved that you would love to share the gospel with? Raise your hand real high. Very good. Get your phone out right now. We're going to do it right now. Get your phone out right now. And I'm going to tell you a story while you get your phone out. 2,400, over 2,400 people in the last two weeks since two Sundays ago have received the Lord through doing what we're getting ready to do right now. And I, uh, one of our persons, one of, uh, a pastor on staff, he shared it with a relative of his and they got saved and, and the relative said, for three months I've been wanting to get saved because he was shocked that, that, he, that, that this person got saved. And, and, and he called her and said, what, what happened? And, and she said, for three months I've been wanting to get saved. And he, she said, what was, what was holding you up? And she said, I was waiting for you to ask me. There's somebody possibly waiting for you to ask me. When I led my father to the Lord, he said the same thing to me. I've been waiting for you to ask me. I said, you're in altar call, you were in church every week. He said, no, I'm waiting for you to ask me. Okay, don't matter, don't, whatever your reason, I don't care, I just want to get you saved. So you have people possibly waiting for you to ask them. Okay, so let's put the first slide up, 64%. 64% of the, the first one before this, 64% of the people who watch the video you're getting ready to send will get saved, have been getting saved. We have analytics. We have analytics. So all, the, all the video, all the text messages, we've sent 19,000 text messages that you're getting ready to send right now. 19,000 have gone out since two Sundays ago. And 64% of the people who watch the whole video get saved. And the total has been 2,400 people. Are you all following me? So if you can get the people to watch it, six out of ten are going to get saved. That's a good odds. So one more time, how many of you all have someone you would love to get saved? Amen. Okay, very good. Let's, and by the way, you may be saying, well, they probably won't, they might not. Don't worry about that. Don't try to talk yourself out of who to send it to. Just send it. Okay, amen. So get your phone out. And what you're going to do is you're going to text the word share to 52525. So you want to put up 52525 and then text in the word share. Text in the word share and then hit send. And then... Just follow the instructions. The message will come up. We're eager to help you share the gospel. What's your name? Put in your name. 
If you have a nickname that, that they would know, that would even be better because then they'll know it's really personalized. Some people think it's spam. <clears throat> Hit send, and then it says, what is the 10-digit phone number of the person? Take out dashes and parentheses and spaces, just 10 numbers. Hit send. And if you want to watch the video later, that's it. That's the link right there. It's about a four-minute video a gospel presentation. But if you want to send it, just hit the letter Y and it will go to them. And when you hit the letter Y, once they get it, you will get a text back telling you they received it. Okay. Now, what's going to happen is you're also going to get a text back telling you, did they watch the video? And if you get that saying they didn't watch it, give them a call. I got, a, I got one of the people I sent it to, they didn't watch it. So I called her, texted her. She said, oh, I thought it was spam. I said, well, I put my name in it. <laughs> so, um, and then you, you may get a text saying they watched it but didn't respond. Or you're going to get a text saying they got saved. So it's there for you to follow up. Amen? One more time. How many of you, the person that you know need to be saved, how many of you really care about their salvation? Okay? You will prove how much you care about their salvation, about how much you follow up. Call them. Encourage them. Amen? Let's pray right now for those people. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, I pray as people receive this text. I pray, all our campuses, all the people watching online, I pray as people receive this text, that they would open it and they would watch it and they would receive you as their Savior. And I pray people's family members, their friends, their co-workers, their neighbors would be radically transformed by the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, one more thing. And I pray that the people who sent the text would have courage. Everyone say courage. Would have courage and faith to follow up and bring one. Bring them to church. Bring them through their process, their, their discipleship process. Bring them into a discipleship relationship. And not just leave it to the text. In Jesus' name, amen. It is very important that this is just a tool. This is not to replace your interaction with these people. You, you want to call them up. You want to invite them to church. You want to invite them into your life. We're talking about being a, in a discipleship relationship. It is very important for you to understand that Christianity and being a disciple as Christ called us to be is not just attending. It is actually being involved with somebody. Can I get an amen? And so these people that you're sending this thing to, the video to, call them up. Invite them into a relationship. Invite them to church. Bring one to church. Bring one through this process that we're going through. Okay. Amen. Okay, everyone say Jesus. Jesus. Okay, the mission at the rock is three words. Say what? Very good. And how do people get saved? Say the big word. Good. And after people get saved, then the next step is life class. Here at the church... What we want to do is take you to a life class, and through the life class, you are going to learn, one, how God designed you. You're going to learn about the small groups in the church, get you in a small group so you can have mutual accountability with people, teach you about stewardship, teach you about the evangelism opportunities here. And once you learn how you were designed, it's going to help you understand where you can serve in the church. When you go to the ministry fair, the key thing about the ministry fair is to find out what the ministries are about and then go to the life class to find out how God designed you 
so you can know where you can serve. Amen? Amen. And then after the life class, say serve. Everyone say serve. Now watch this. By a show of hands, how many of you are not serving yet in the church? Raise your hand real high. Mm, okay. Let's go. Let's serve. So let's do this. Go through the life class. Find out where you can serve. And then start serving. And the ministry fair is a great opportunity. Amen. Okay. Let's see your Bibles. Let's see your Bibles. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just waiting for you all to get it out. I'm waiting for you all to give you all time to get it out. On three, say word. One, two, three. One more time, Rock Church. Let's see word. Very good. Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Years ago, I wrote and, and began a process to write a novel, which actually is a trilogy about heaven and hell. And I had written six nonfiction books before. So when I started to write the novel, which is so different, let me explain. Nonfiction and fiction are two different styles of writing. And I didn't understand the differences. So because I had written six nonfiction books, how-to books on parenting and, you know, uh, the, 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 the Bad to the Bone was about kids in the Bible and Parenting the Wild Child was about parenting kids who are wild, and, uh, uh, who, which we were all wild. Can I get an amen? So all oh, y'all need to get that. But, but I wanted to write a novel because I'm more into stories. So I started writing a novel and, I, and I, it ended up being 45,000 words, but I wrote about 200,000 words to get to 45,000. And every time I wrote it, the people who were coaching me kept saying, you're telling, not showing. When you write a novel or you watch a movie, which is a similar thing, you are, you, you are watching something happen, not being told what is happening. And so, she said, so they kept telling me, you need to show, not tell. Now, you show first, then you tell, but it was a show and then tell. Matter of fact, when we were little kids, we used to have show and tell in school. Y'all did show and tell? Where you would come up and show something and then you would explain it. It, it, we've been talking about being in a discipleship relationship with somebody, being discipled and then bringing one into a discipleship relationship. And when Jesus called his disciples, he called them to do th three things. He says, first, I want you to spend time with me. We saw last week, follow me and just spend time. And it's so simple. When we have someone we want to disciple, the main thing you should do is spend time with them. Don't feel burdened that you have to have all the Bible memorized. Don't feel burdened that you have to have so many curriculums. You'll burden yourself with too much information. The first thing you want to do is, I need to spend time with people. So look what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. It says, verse 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he says three things. Follow me. Everyone say, follow me. I will make you, say I will make you, fishes of men. Say fishes of men. So the first thing he says is, I just want you to leave your old life. You cannot be a true disciple of Christ if, without walking away from something because now spending time with Christ requires sacrifice somewhere else. 
And so as you think of your life and your relationship with Christ, are you a true disciple or is there, or is there too many entanglements in the world? So first he tells them, follow me and I want you to just be with me. And so when you think of discipling someone else, you just sent a text to someone to be saved. If they get saved, they're going to ask you and you should think, what's next? Spend time with them. Does that mean changing your lifestyle, changing your calendar? Absolutely. Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations. He didn't just say just have church. Make disciples. So the first thing he said is spend time. Now, why was spending time so important? It was because in the context of that time together, he would show and tell. What Jesus is going to do, he's going to transform them and he's going to do it by way of showing and telling. Look what it says next. It says, follow me and I will make you. Say, I will make you. Here's the key thing. Jesus says, I want you to follow me because what I am going to do to you is I am going to transform your life. When you give your life to Christ, he is going to change you. And he picked these fishermen who the Bible says were uneducated and untrained. It's ironic that he didn't go to the synagogue and find rabbis to follow him. Now, not that rabbis couldn't follow him, but he says, y'all got too much religious baggage. He didn't go to politicians because they were very polarizing. Imagine if I stood up here and said, vote for Hillary or vote for Donald Trump, how that would be polarizing. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying either. <laughs> we just need to pray. Because <laughs> neither one of those groups are going to save our country. Can I get an amen? So just pray. He says, I'm not picking a politician. I'm not going to pick, pick socially influential people. They got, the Bible says, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with being rich. But when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he says, it's very hard for a rich person. And by the way, rich doesn't necessarily mean money. It means someone who has a lot of something they trust in. It's very hard to, 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 to go to, 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 for a rich man to follow God because they got too many entanglements. Not saying it's not possible, it's very possible. But Jesus said, he went to these fishermen, and the Bible says in Acts that they were untrained and uneducated. Why? Because God says, I don't need what you have. I want to make you into what I want you to be. And a lot of times we think, here's what I bring to the table. God says, I don't need anything. I just need your heart. So he picked these fishermen who the Bible says were untrained and uneducated. And he says, I'm not going to build on the foundation of your life. Paul says, I'm a master builder. I build on the foundation of Christ. So Christ says, I have to be the foundation. And why is this so important? It doesn't mean rabbis or religious people can't be saved. Absolutely not. It doesn't mean influential, rich people, politicians can't be saved. Absolutely not. But it does mean, Jesus said, the gospel's foolishness. It means I can pick anybody I want. And I'm approved by picking these uneducated, untrained fishermen. And what I'm going to do with them, this is so important, I'm going to have them hang out with me. And I'm going to show and tell. I'm going to model and then teach. And as you think about how, one, God can do that in your life, how God can do that through your life. That if there's someone in your life, and by the way, if you have children, you've been doing that all your life. They've been watching you. Our grandson is now starting to talk. And, and everything we say, he says. If I go, if I'm watching a football game and I go, huh, he's sitting there and he does this, huh. And if I say, hey, Debbie, he's, it was my wife, he'll say to his grandma, hey, Debbie. He's just like spontaneous. Everything we do, he copies, he copies, he copies, he copies, he copies. And Jesus says, uh, disciples, I want you to follow me and I want you to copy me. 
And as you think in your life, as, a, as you being in a discipleship relationship, that someone is, that you're following someone and someone's following you. So let's look at four things he did. Number one in your notes, Jesus modeled and taught obedience to God's word. Right there in your notes, obedience to God's word. Right before he died, he was arguing, validating his self-witness. And he was talking about to the religious about validating that he really was sent from the Father. And he says in chapter 8, verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you'll know one day that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing of my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. You will realize in the end one day, Jesus said, is that everything I've been speaking was actually from the Word of God and God cannot lie. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4 when he argued with the devil, the only responses he ever had with the devil was it is written. It is written that you shall not live by bread alone. It is written you shall not tempt the Lord your God. It is written that you shall not worship anybody but God. All his responses, 66 times in the New Testament, he used the Old Testament. 66 times in the Gospels, he used the Old Testament to validate what he was saying. saying, And he was illustrating this to his disciples. It is written. In Matthew 21, 13. When they were criticizing, when they were, uh, he was criticizing those selling goods in the house of God, he said, it is written, my house shall be, be a house of prayer. When responding to the criticism of John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, verse 10, he says, this is of whom it is written. And he talked about John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 24, he said, the son of man goes as it is written. In Matthew 26, 31. When he was talking to his disciples about running scared after his crucifixion, he says, after, I, after I'm crucified, you guys are going to run scared because it is written so. And 66 times he kept saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. And as his disciples are with him, watching him, use the Bible, this was his discipleship method. So here's my question to you. Who in your life is modeling that to you? And I'm not talking about right here in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in church. I'm talking about in everyday life. Are you a person who uses the word of God as a guide to everything you do every day? Or do you come to church, feel good, and then just go about making your own decisions? How often do you say, hmm, before I make this decision? What does the Bible say? <laughs> when you get sick, do you call the doctor or do you pray first? I would challenge you. How many of you all are getting sick right now with the cold? Not, not a lot. Good. Everybody in my house has had the cold for a week, and I've been praying every day. I can't get sick. I can't get sick. Dear God, dear God, I've been praying to God. Now, I've been taking some medicine too. <laughs> I ain't stupid, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I was praying, 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 praying. I was at the hospital two times this week with other people, praying, praying for them. The doctors are saying, we think this is it. We think this is it. What does God say? And in your relationship with somebody... As you disciple your friends and the people who got saved, you have to first model, model the gospel. Because people who just say, here's what the Bible says and here's what the Bible says, and they're not committed to modeling it, they become very self-righteous dictators. Do this, do this, do this, but they're not committed and obligated to living it. But if your model is like Jesus... Where Jesus says, I am going to model it, model it, model it, and then I'm going to teach you. But if you watch me and I, we never have a class, you will get it. 
Can I get amen? What you observe, you will absorb. The other thing, and then look what it says in um, uh, Jesus taught them to obey God's word. Matthew 22, 37. They said to him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the Bible. It's in the Bible. Thus you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The greatest thing you can do is do what God said. And the second is like it. You shall love the Lord your, love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang the whole Bible. He is constantly teaching, trust the word of God. Jesus also taught and modeled reliance on the Holy Spirit through prayer. He taught and modeled reliance on the Holy Spirit through prayer. He was known as a man of prayer. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, often he himself withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I wonder how often if you have a time when you pray. Now, if you have someone in your life that you're discipling, I'll, I doubt they're going to be with you 24-7. I watched the movie uh, War Room, and in the War Room, the one line, the whole movie that really just challenged me was, uh, it was something like, what is, how hot is your prayer life? I remember when the old lady was drinking the tea or the coffee, and she said, how hot is your prayer life? If I was to ask you that, or the person that you just led to the Lord, or you're trying to disciple says, tell me about your prayer life. Don't just tell me how to pray. Tell me what you're doing. Do you pray for your food? I, 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 you know, it's probably the most time, consistent time, dear God, bless my food. Ain't nothing wrong with your food. That's cool. Do you pray for your day? Do you pray for wisdom? Do you pray for your enemies? Do you pray for people to get saved? Do you pray for people to get healed? Do you pray for people to be delivered from depression and suicide and drug addiction? Do you pray for that stuff? Do you pray for your boss? Do you pray for your employees? Do you pray for your fellow employers? Do you have a habit of prayer? Do you have time in the day or night or in the middle of the day when you say, God, this is just my time just to pray? And if the answer is, no, nah, not really, no, not really, not really, and then you wonder why your life is not supernatural. Let me tell you something. If you walk with God, your life will be unexplainable. There will be things happening in your life that people go, I don't get it. And if Jesus Christ himself often withdrew and prayed and prayed all the time, we know he prayed for people to be healed. He prayed for people to be, ex demons to be exercised. He prayed to multiply the, the fish and the loaves. He prayed to raise Lazarus from the dead. He prayed before he walked on water. He prayed before he was arrested. And his disciples saw him praying and praying and praying all the time he was praying. Why? He was saying, this is what I want you to do. Now he could have said, just pray every day. And they're like, but we don't see you doing it. He said, no, you watch me. So the question as a discipler and as a disciplee, are you living a life that's worthy of emulating? And if you have someone in your life that you're discipling, remember, bring one. Let them watch you live. When you go to the restaurant, pray. When you confront somebody on the street, or not confront, well, confront or have a discussion, pray for people in the parking lot. A lot of times I'll pray for people, right? Like I'll be at the mall and they'll, hey, pray for me. Let's do it right now. And sometimes people are like, like right now, right, right here. And, 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 I'll put my, and before they can object, I'll just, bam. 
And then they'll look around, okay, okay, okay. You know what? Why can't we do it here? Get in the habit of modeling that. Pray for people. Jesus taught them to pray. In verse Luke, uh, Luke 11, verse 1 to 2, it came to pass as he was praying. As he was praying, they were watching him. And he ceased. And one of the disciples said, Lord, can you teach us that? They said, hey, teach me that. I wonder if you're living a life where people go, I want to know how to do that. You just pray for that person and they got saved. You just pray for that person and they got healed. And then he said to them, when you pray, and he gave the Lord's prayer, taught the Lord's prayer. Number three, he modeled and taught self-sacrificial lifestyle. He modeled and taught, show and tell, a self-sacrificial lifestyle. It was not about him. If someone was to follow you around all day, listen to you talk, watch what you do, watch how you spend your money, watch how you, how you, what you talk about and how you talk about it, would they say you were selfish or unselfish? Let's do a little test all around the campuses. I just want you to be honest. Would you think people would say you were, how many of you would say if someone followed you around day and night, they would say you were a little more selfish than unselfish? Raise your hand. Very good. Thank you for being honest. Guess what? There you go. Jesus says, live a lifestyle so if I'm with you, I see unselfish. Not only do I see unselfish, I see someone who is self-sacrificing on behalf of other people. Jesus lived that life. When he was on the cross, they said, save yourself. He said, I didn't come to save myself. I came to give my life as a ransom. And as you watch me, you will see that that's the life I live. Discipleship is modeling that in somebody's life. Letting them see and receive that from your life. Look at uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 42. As he was praying before he was going to be arrested and be crucified, he knew it was going to be very painful. And it says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Father, I don't want to do this. Again, he's praying. Then he taught servanthood. Mark chapter 9, sitting down, Jesus calls his 12 and said, and they were arguing about who's going to be first, who's going to be popular, who's going to sit at his right hand. He says, uh, if, you, if anyone who wants to be first, uh, he must be last and be a servant of all. I can't teach you servanthood if I'm not a servant. I can't teach you humility if I'm not hu- humble. You can't teach humility unless you're humble. It's one thing to say, hey, let's meet once a week and I'm going to teach you stuff. It's another thing to say, watch my life. And every day I go out of the house, especially here in San Diego, I see people from our community. I always know and assume I'm being watched. You should too. You should always assume that you are being watched. And in your discipleship relationship, you should be watching someone and you should have someone in your life that you are guiding that can watch you. Now, and when you do that, if your life is Right, they are going to absorb from your life how to walk with Jesus Christ. Amen? Lastly, soul winning. Everyone say soul winning. So, say soul winning. Jesus modeled and taught soul winning. Jesus preached the gospel. In Mark chapter 1 verse 14 it says, preach the good news after John was uh, put in prison. 
Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news, and the time has come. He said, the king, this is what he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Everyone say repent. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to repent of your sin. In other words, I admit that I'm a sinner. In our context, I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my sin. And I want to repent and go the other way. I want to do it different. That's repent. Here's what repent means. I'm going this way. Repent means I'm now going this way. Jesus, all through his ministry, called people to repent or sin no more. And the paralytic got healed, John chapter 5. He answered and said, who made, they asked the paralytic, who made you well? He said, take up your bed and walk. And they said, who is the man who said this? Take up your bed and walk. But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn and a multitude being in that place. And afterward, he, Jesus found them in the temple and Jesus said, sin no more. Everyone say sin no more. The, the, the woman who was caught in an act of adultery, the guys were going to throw stones at her. And Jesus said, who has, who has not sinned, throw a stone. And they put all their stones down. And he said to the woman, who has condemned you? Who's here to condemn you? She said, no one. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. But then he said, sin no more. How often do you challenge people to repent? I mean, I, it's like, well... I, People are so nervous to even send a video to people because of what they might think. People need to be challenged. I need to be challenged to sin no more. In other words, stop cursing. Stop sleeping around. Start obeying God. And I would challenge all of you. If people come to church and they have a certain lifestyle and things they're so accustomed to doing, yet calling themselves Christian, and I would challenge you, stop. When I, was, when I got saved, I was doing cocaine, smoking marijuana, and I had to stop. Why? Because I said, I'm going to leave that lifestyle and I'm going to follow Jesus. Being a Christian means I am going to repent. I'm not going to live my lifestyle. I'm going to follow Jesus. And Jesus called people to sin no more and repent all through his ministry. And then Philip, uh, um, Peter, preaching to, in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter four, 10, verse 42, it says, He commanded us to preach to people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. He says, Jesus commanded us to preach. He tells us to preach the gospel to all creatures. Save, equip Send all of you, if you're walking with God and you're praying and someone's in your life, they're going to see you praying and you teach them how to pray. As you're walking in your life, using the word of God as your guide, they're going to watch you use the word of God and you teach them the word of God. Don't just tell them what it says, but live it. If you are soul winning and leading people to the Lord, you are an example to people. So in a minute, I want to give you an opportunity to be saved because I want to call you to sin no more. What does that mean, to be perfect when you walk out of here? No, but it means to say, Lord, I'm going to repent and I'm going to follow you. I really want to give my life to Christ. And I really want to stop living this way and start living that way. At some point in your life, you have to say, Lord, I'm going to leave my old life and follow you. Jesus is calling you, saying, follow me. He's called me to be a soul winner. He's called you to be a soul winner. So in a minute, we're going to pray, and you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. 
I trust that you died and rose from the dead. I believe you are the son of God. And I want to repent of my sin and give my life to you. So right now on all our campuses, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, we thank you so much as a model to us. You lived what you taught. And I pray as we think about people in our life that we would live what we are to teach. But Lord, there may be somebody in our campuses, somewhere online, they realize that you love them, that you died on the cross and rose from the dead for their sin. And they want to repent. They want to turn from the way they live and follow you. If today you're saying, I want to repent of my life and I want to follow Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I repent. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead. And I believe he loves me and has a plan for my life. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart. Be my savior. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed in all our campuses, if you prayed that prayer, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand. And by standing, you are public, making a public confession, yes, I am repenting. I want to walk with Jesus. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'm going to be ashamed of you before my Father. So if you prayed that prayer, I'm just going to ask you to stand on the count of three in all our campuses. And someone will be there to pray with you. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. Very good. Stay standing. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.